everyone and welcome back uh, to our second season of Writers Backstage. This is Hayat Bedawi and I have uh, Muna Al-Bluwi, my co-host. How are you, Muna? How are you, Hayat? I'm okay, thank you. Happy New Season! Yes, Happy New Season. I'm so excited to start this season. And uh, we are, are going to talk about uh, sim- similar topics, I guess, uh, to last season. But, you know, from a new angle, we have uh, some new exciting interviews coming up. So uh, please stay tuned and uh, enjoy today's episode. So our first episode for the second season, um, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Barbara Nimri Aziz. And uh, she's a uh, well-known Arab-American critic and uh, writer. And she talks mostly about uh, how Western feminists have taken over over talking uh, uh, about, uh, uh, let's say, third world feminists and uh, the the angle or edge between these two two, uh, uh, feminists, I guess. So I'm going to read uh, from her essay. It's called Moreover. And she starts the essay by a poem from uh, Muhja Kaf. Um, I'm just going to read the poem really quick. We are the spreaders of prayer rugs in highway gas stations at dawn. We are the fasters at company banquets before sunset in Ramadan. We wear veils and d- dimen. Uh, prayer caps and t-shirts. We don't know what to do at weddings. Wear white and cut the cake, or red and receive garlands. Sing rap songs or rap tambourines. It doesn't matter. We will intermarry and commingle and multiply, or how will multiply the number of Muhammad-loving Muslims in the monthly miscellany of the land. And um, she starts her essay, uh, and for me, it is a statement that Western feminists need to hear. It is time for Western feminists to step aside and let women from other parts of the world speak. Why is it that feminists who serve as book editors and conference organizers urge me to talk about my victimization at the hands of my brother, husband, or another Arab man? Why won't they hear me explain the injustices of Western actions? For example, in the Gulf War, these women perhaps more than my Arab brother, uh, are an obstacle to my true liberation. Do you remember the open passages of Maxine Hung Kingston, the woman warrior, or Alice Walker's The Color Purple, or Nawaz Sa'dawi, The Hidden Face of Eve? I cannot forget them, and you, too, may remember how each opens with a powerful scene of a woman being abused. Either she is raped or driven to suicide, uh, uh, or violated in some other way. A coincidence? Abused third world woman. It's such a portrayal, a fair reflection of reality, a prejudgment. By selecting these themes, can publishers of our work influence our voice? And she goes on in her essay to uh, note, like the uh, the very harsh, you know, uh, world of uh, where you know Arab third world women have to stick to these kind of themes to be published everywhere. Um, and she says that the Arab or Muslim woman finds herself defined by experts in women's studies. Repeatedly, we find the same simplistic presentations. First, we are perceived as weak. Second, we are seen as victim. Third, our oppressor is typically a male relative. Fourth, we appear uneducated and incapable of managing without uh, outside help. Namely, support, publicity, administering from those already educated and liberated. The capable Western woman. 
Phil, uh, fifth, the Arab and or Muslim woman is caged and needs to be released. Everything is set up for the arrival of a fairy godmother. And I really like the 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 kind of image she uses here about Western feminist as fairy godmothers, you know, waiting uh, or coming to save the third world women. And uh, sh- uh, I think she ends her essay uh, by by making a very bold, you know, clear statement. In the end, let us recognize that Western feminist, including its academic dimension, has its cultural context and its political agenda. The women who embrace us and pander us to as victims must step back. Then they must learn to take our strength without our weakness. And so she ends her essay. But I, I just find this very um, interesting. And I think I uh, really I chose this piece. It's because of uh, the way she talks about how, uh, I guess, Arab uh, or Muslim women are always restrict, restricted to kind of themes when it comes to publishing like stories or novels or uh, books and the only stories that get heard or published are those about you know them being victims so yes uh, that's my part uh, Muna um, I'm gonna uh, hand you the mic now thank you Haya thank you um, for my part um, I would like to introduce our listeners every time, you know, in every episode to one Arab American writer or poet. So, of course, uh, we, we know if you want to discuss, you know, uh, Arab American poets, I think the, you know, first one we need to discuss is the well-known Jibran Khalil Jibran. Uh, so, um, Jibran Khalil Jibran is a Lebanese American. He was a revolutionary writer who has written so many books uh, that are politically and socially groundbreaking until today. He is considered the world's best poet and his poems have been used in songs, speeches and movies. He's born in 1883 in Lebanon and died in 1931 in New York. He's one of the most commercially successful poets of the 20th century. His small books, biblical in style and often illustrated with his own allegorical drawings, have been translated into 20 languages, making him the most widely known writer to emerge from the Arab-speaking world. Gibran's poetry and prose are recognized for their metrical beauty and emotional evocative language. They also demonstrate an ecstatic spiritualism and a serene love of humanity. He became known for his mystical Arab, Arabic and English works, earning him fame. Uh, Gibran's literary and artistic output is highly romantic in outlook. His writings in both languages, which deal with such themes as love, death, nature, and a longing for the homeland, are full of lyrical outpourings and are expressive of Gibran's deeply religious and mystic nature. His, he first became known in Americas in 1918 with the publication of his work, The Madman. It is a collection of memorable, life-affirming parables and poems, many of them casting an ironic light on the beliefs, aspiration, and vanities of humankind. In 1923, Gibran published what became his most famous work, titled The Prophet. Centered on the character of Al-Mustafa, a holy man set to return home after 12 years in exile. The the book uh, expounds on on matters of love, sorrow, and religion over 26 poetic essays. Uh, 
So in today's episode, I chose one of his poems titled And When My Sorrow Was Born. It was first published in his, uh, you know, uh, collection, The Madman. So uh, his poem, And When My Sorrow Was Born. And when my joy was born, I held it in my arms and stood on the housetop shouting, Come ye, my neighbors, come and see, for joy this day is born unto me. Come and behold this gladsome thing that laugheth in the sun. But none of my neighbors came to look upon my joy, and great was my astonishment. And every day for seven moons, I proclaimed my joy from the top house. And yet no one heeded me, and my joy and I were alone, unsought and unvisited. Then my joy grew pale and weary because no other heart but mine held its loveliness and no other lips kissed its lips. Then my joy died of isolation. And now I only remember my dead joy in remembering my dead sorrow. But memory is an autumn leaf that murmurs uh, a while in the wind and then is heard no more. And that's the end of the Uh, poem. So basically, you know, in short, this poems describe the speaker's emotional development as he discovers and then joy and then loses it to be replaced with sorrow. And I uh, hope you like the, today's uh, poem. Back to you, Hayat. Yes, thank you so much. Um, I really love The Madman. It's one of the works I worked on for my uh, master thesis. And uh, Uh, I, I love the first piece that he has uh, of how he became a madman um, and uh, how he says that he found like both freedom and safety in his madness. So like madness is some sort of fa- sanity, I guess, uh, in this, uh, this whole like uh, issue of parables and poems. Uh, but yeah, Gibran is a very uh, uh, well-established, I guess, Arab-American uh, author and poet, and uh, he is the godfather of Arab-American uh, literature. Uh, I could call him that. Uh, yes, indeed. I agree with you. Yes. Thank you so much um, for uh, joining us today with our first episode in our second season. Uh, please look forward to our upcoming uh, episodes. We'll have more topics to talk about. Thank you so much, Mona, for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Hayat. And thank you to all the listeners. We we'll hope to see you again in our next episode. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, until then.